This is Neon Radio, episode 173, with muralist Jason Naylor. Welcome to Neon Radio. I'm your host, Nick Onkin, fashion and lifestyle photographer for today's top brands, performers, and game changers. On this podcast, we explore the body, mind, and soul of the creative entrepreneur, bringing you inspiring guests to help take your creativity, business, and life to the next level. What is up, fellow Neonites? As you know, Neon Life is about living life in color with creativity at its forefront. Creativity is the driving force of my life. I love making things. I love creating things. I love creating my life. I love everything about it. And it takes practice. It takes work along with the reward of the the creative resonance that comes with work. And uh, today's guest is a very good example of that. His name is Jason Naylor. He's a really dope street muralist, artist, graphic design, or graphic designer, graphic design background. So we had a lot to resonate with. We talked so much about how his uh, graphic design career had has has fueled his mural and fine art career and how it translates and how he's doing both all at the same time. Uh, a lot of his work is is driven, uh, created on the computer first and then translated to murals. But I first found his work, I think I was walking through Soho over in Nolita-ish. saw one of his murals. I was like, this dude is dope. His his whole ethos is creatively positive and positively creative. And his work is all positive mental quotes and and different things like that, that help help you shift your positive, your mental state when you view them, when you experience them. And I think that's hugely important. I love that kind of work because I think being creative is, is also about your state change, about like changing your state and about activating these things against the resistance, or I guess pushing through the resistance to create. And I think when you can get your, your mental state shifted, that helps in a huge way. So check out, the, we're going to post up some pictures. I took some pictures of him in the studio. We did some dope portraits, shot some of his art. You can check him out at Jason Naylor Creative. He's got a bunch of his work on this site over there. And obviously Jason Naylor over on the gram. His work is dope. So check it out. Also, before we jump in, don't forget to go over to the uh, Neon Life website over at neonlife.com. That's N-I-O-N-L-I-F-E.com and take the 10-question survey and we'll uh, help you, we'll serve you up some free content for where you're at in your creative journey. And uh, you can follow us over at neonlife.com, N-I-O-N, oh, at Neon Life on, on the gram. So um, you can stay up to date with some good quotes, some good fun information for you. And yeah, stay tuned. Jump in. I give to you the one, the only, Mr. Jason Naylor. What is up, everyone? We've got the amazing artist Jason Naylor in his studio today. Welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Yeah, I'm stoked to have you on because like, I love the positivity of your art. I actually came across a mural. I think it was in Soho. 
Yeah, I think I was doing a photo shoot actually, cool. and I saw saw one of your murals. I was like, I like this. I nice. like this. And I checked out your your gram. Yep. And now we're now we're here. Yep. And uh, love your work, man. It's really beautiful stuff. Where, uh, where, so where are you from originally? I am from Salt Lake City, Utah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We can talk about that for the whole hour. <laughs> <laughs> are you Mormon? Is that? I mean, I was. I was Then Mormon. I kind of like found a different path, you know? Yeah. But that yeah. kind of started, um, quick recap of like my exodus from Mormonism was in high school, I discovered like girls and alcohol. And <laughs> it was like, oh, I, there's that. I'll just, that sounds better. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I feel you, man. I grew up in the Christian church and I'm like on a different path as well. So, yeah. but yeah, what, I mean, I jump into that a little bit. How did you... Um, how were you, how'd you, how, what was your upbringing like and why did you part ways? Well, my upbringing was like any other Mormon person, but also like very family oriented. You know, my parents were both there and like very invested and I'm one of seven. So a lot of kids, you know, big family. <laughs> wow. And my mom is very creative. She's a portrait artist and she's not like a working artist or like a professional artist per se, but mm-hmm. she's super talented and she was always doing like sketching and portraits and paintings. And then when I was a kid, it was like crayons and markers and craft and glue and like all that shit. You know, that was what I did for the yeah. past time. I think it was like my mom would be like, all right, kids, like ever sit around the table and like here's some scissors and paper and whatever. So that's kind of like how things were for me. And then, you know, as I, I guess I'm like talking about art a little bit because it's kind of part of the story. But Absolutely. as I kind of grew up, I, did what most Mormon kids do with this sort of like side quiet rebellion of like going out drinking at night and stuff like that. But like at the same time, keeping face, you know how it is in religion. Oh, absolutely. Like you got to keep face because everybody's judging each other. And like, (laughs) so without going into like too much of the negative, you know, portion of religion for me, basically as I became an adult, I started to kind of see that my path, was different than what was programmed Mm. by the religion. Yeah. So I followed my own path, which led me to New York to pursue, you know, creative things. And I think what was magical about New York is that I, when I first discovered New York, I discovered that I could be whatever I wanted. And that's Mm -hmm. huge, you know, especially when you come from a religion where everyone kind of like looks the same and talks the same and does the same thing. Yeah. So to come to New York and be like, I can just be me. Yeah. That's big. Yeah. That's huge. So that's what I did. Absolutely. So what would you say that the path that you're on is like, where did your spirituality move from, from the religion into now? Well, I think, I mean, spirituality is a very complicated thing to talk about. Yeah. But for me, the path is about like self-expression, finding and understanding who I am and what I want to be, what I want to do, how I want to spend my time. And then, sharing those things with other people. And I think in realizing that that's the path, what I've learned is that sharing those things, like sharing the the self-discovery with other people is the path. Mm. So what I'm trying to say, I guess, is that's kind of complicated. What I'm trying to say is like, I think my role here is to share that with people, you know, share mm-hmm. the good things that I, that I have found within, you know, with yeah. everyone else. And the best way for me to do that is visually. Mm-hmm. So that kind of leads us to like doing art because really I'm just putting my heart on the page and like handing it out to people. Yeah, I love that. So what have been some of the biggest life lessons that you've experienced that has translated into some of your art pieces? Like an actual like 
story of what you learned and like what you created out of it. Wow. A specific story that I learned something. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, um, can I just answer that kind of broadly? Sure. Cause something that I, I find is really important to, to me and to my work is humility. And yeah. I've found that like humility is something that I admire in other people. And I think sometimes, you know, looking at people that I admire, like my role models, that's the one thing that sometimes is lacking. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like, you know, people who are doing things that they're proud of or that bring them success or money or whatever, mm -hmm. sometimes forget to be thankful or to express gratitude or to show the world that maybe they didn't do it by themselves. Like there's, you know, they did it with the help of their spray paint cans or with the help of their mentor or whatever it is. Like yeah. you're not alone here, you know? And so yeah. I think to sort of exhibit that you recognize that you're not alone mm -hmm. and that kind of keeps you humble. And that's a, a, a quality that I love, that I really yeah. admire. So it's something that I try to like keep track of, you know, am I being humble? Am I aware of like everyone involved in what's going on in my life and like who's playing a role in my, my success or my happiness, Yeah, you know? Absolutely. And so I, I try to kind of put that, not literally into words, like be humble. I can make a piece of art that says like be humble, right. but that's not the point. The point is to try to like make decisions based on humility, you know, yeah. being grateful and thankful for like all that I've been given, like the privilege that it is to be me. I have to like keep that in mind as I make my work so that it comes out pure. Absolutely. You know, yeah. does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It's like living in alignment with yourself Yeah, and, and like kind of expressing what's that, that true self of yours is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think it's also like forgetting about the humility bit for me, the best way to do that is to forget about what else is happening. What are, like, it doesn't matter what other people are doing, what they think, what they want. This is really hard to do. It's easy to say, you know, like yeah. forgetting about what other people care about, just what's in me. And you know, that's what really matters. Yeah. That's, that's kind of like a goal, right? Yeah. Like an everyday goal. Like just <laughs> fuck everyone else. Like worry about me, not in a selfish way, in a like stay aligned with and stay in tune kind of way. Yeah, I mean, because like as an artist, if you pay attention to what everybody else is saying, you could get swayed into doing and into something that's not aligned with yourself. Really, yeah. totally. Um, yeah. So now you, you know when you first moved to New York, you were a creative director. Yeah. And did you went to school for design? Yes, I went to uh, school for graphic design. Yeah, I actually went to school for graphic design as well. Oh, that's okay. my that was my previous career before I was a photographer. <laughs> it's like a launch pad, right? You go to school to do graphics, and then that's like a launch pad into something that it really is. I mean, I utilize those skills all the time, yeah. and it's great. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, you do too because yeah. it's like it's very your work is very directly related with that. And you worked for a cosmetic company, yeah? Yeah, Mac. Um, how was what was that experience like? I mean, it was so good at the time, you know, like I didn't know anything else. And <laughs> I, I got out of school, I moved to New York, I started working for Mac, and Mac is so colorful and like expressive. And it was this world of like, in a way, it was like a world of I get to be myself, and somehow that is like what the design brief is asking for, you know? It's <laughs> right, like make right. color, make like colorful shit or like, you know draw, paint, sketch, splatter paint, like all these kinds of things I was using in my designs. Yeah. And I wasn't at the computer nearly as much as most graphic designers. You know, mm. I was able to do other expressive kind of things and that was me being me, but it was like the job, you know? Yeah. So it was awesome. Like it was everything that I dreamed of. But then over time it started to feel like I'm doing all these things and they're kind of like making sales for this big company, but where's my <laughs> name? You know? Like what does it, what does it all mean? And yeah. I also wanted this freedom that I saw like other artists and designers and photographers are out on the street, like having this 
like free liberated life where they can do whatever <laughs> they want. And so I wanted to work for myself. Like I wanted to be freelance yeah. so that I could have that life, which is totally like backwards because as a freelancer, you know, you don't just hang out all day, like going to lunch and like you're actually hustling like all yeah, the time. Yeah. And then I mean, unless you live in LA. Yeah. No, I'm I mean, I'll speak to New York cause that's all I know. <laughs> so yeah, man. Yeah, man, it's a hustle. It's a hustle to really like, I mean, you work more than probably full time, but yeah. it doesn't even feel like work if you really love what you do. That's the trade-off, right? Yeah. So what was your transition like? I mean, you were, how, how long did you work at Mac? And then, you know, how did you, you know, paint a picture of what the process was? Because I think a lot of people have a hard time making that jump. And like, you have to have the vision, but you also have to have the guts to jump and like, but also the, the mind to kind of like create a runway. Yeah, I mean... That transition was kind of like seamless for me in a way because I was already doing a lot of freelance work and like on the side, I was kind of doing little projects and I think there was a little bit of like stupid, like stupidity that kind of gave me the guts just to do it. You know, it wasn't like, I didn't have this plan of like, I've got, you know, like all these clients lined up and I've got a year's worth of money in the bank. Like I didn't have that kind of plan. It was yeah. just like. I'm going to be able to do this because there's plenty of work and I, I'm going to quit my job and then see what happens. And so I just did it. And that's yeah. why I say stupidly because I didn't have <laughs> like much of a plan, but I just sort of like yeah. jumped off the cliff. Right. And then I guess on my way down, like falling, I kind of picked up some clients and some work and yeah. it, one thing led to the next. And I, you know, I still, I'm here I am, you know, yeah. but I think, in terms of like actually leaving your job and doing your own thing, I would suggest that you do have a little bit of a plan, you know, because what saved me is that as a graphic designer, there's tons of freelance work available if you're willing to go work in house, like in an agency. Yeah. And so for me, what I did was like, I thought I was going to have this life of like working on my own schedule on my laptop. What it really turned into was for the first couple of years to actually pay my bills. I was like going in and doing freelance work, like helping out on like a pitch or like a one month job at this agency and then mm. going in house with another brand and working for, you know, three months while somebody was on maternity leave or like, yeah. it was like filling in, you know? Yeah. So you were mostly doing design work and then you'd come and just come home and like, or like block out time to create your own like art. Yeah. And it was like, I would have like a three month freelance gig and then I would have a month where I just worked on my own stuff. And uh, so it was kind of this back and forth and that's yeah. hard to do because it's hard to shift your mindset. You know, yeah. like you, in a way you have to focus 100% of the time on what it is you want to do. And if 60% of that time is spent like at some agency <laughs> helping out as a freelancer, then you're so drained, Yeah, you know, it takes you two weeks to come out of that. And then you've got two weeks to do your own art and it's hard. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It takes discipline. Yeah. A lot of discipline. Yeah. And how did you start getting murals like wall spaces and things like that? So in 2013, I got a call from a producer, like an event producer, and she was working with this brand, Microsoft. I don't know. I've heard of it, it before. <laughs> <laughs> and um, she was like, "Hey, I've I've got this thing for South by Southwest, and all the graphics that were designed for the space, the vendor fell through and can't produce all the graphics. So we've got white walls. Can you help?" And I was like, oh. I guess I could paint a mural. I had never really painted a mural. Like I painted <laughs> on my own bedroom walls and like yeah. in my studio, which is now where I live and now has been painted over. I had like painted this big kind of mural, but it wasn't this planned out thing. It was like I had markers and like I just put shit all over the walls. You know? right, 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 right. So it was like, I mean, 
I know the tools, I guess I could do it. So I just said yes. And I went to Austin and I painted over the course of a week, this live mural during the South, South by like presentation yeah. in the Microsoft space. And it was nuts, man. Like, I don't know. <laughs> you mean, painted it all, live. I painted it live. Wow. Like, I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't, I mean, I knew how to like use the acrylic paint markers, you know, but like <laughs> I was just like, winging it the whole time. And then it was cool because it was live and that really drives me. Yeah. And like people watching just forced me to like, just do it, you know? Yeah. And somehow over the course of that whole week, I accomplished this mural and it was magical. Like I was like, I, this is all I want to do. Like it was so good, you know, Yeah. not that the finished product was so good. The process was so good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And now that size wall that I painted, I could do it in one day. So like over time I've like honed my skills, you Yeah. Know? but that kind of started it off. Like that broke the seal and made me feel like this is something that I really love doing. It like brought so many new things out of me like I found myself I think a little bit in that process mm -hmm. and since then I've just been like hustling to find more walls and the thing with doing murals is once you have one it's easy to show that one to somebody and be like look I can do large scale right and then you get another and now you you know you've done five and you've got a portfolio and then from there it's easy to position yourself like this is what I do yeah yeah so that's kind of how it started that's amazing. a fluke you know just saying yes to shit <laughs> Some, some, yeah, saying yes. I mean, do you, do you find yourself doing that a lot? Yeah, I do. And I think it's like such a key to success. You know, I think being willing to just try new things and put yourself out there is scary. And like you get yeah. nervous and you, then you do it and you grow and now you have a new skill or now you have more confidence. You know? Yeah. So I think that's just saying yes. Not stupidly like that movie, you know, where you do weird shit. <laughs> right. But like saying yes to opportunities, even though maybe they're out of your comfort zone or out of your skill set. Yeah. I think that's key. Yeah. So your, your work now consists mostly of, of murals, but you're also doing smaller pieces, like like wall, like for pieces of houses and things like that. Yeah. I mean, I don't really like working on canvas that much. Mm. And I think part of it is that I, over the, you know, over the course of, this sort of like progression into doing murals, I've learned to use spray paint, which is like a big factor in the speed. You know? Yeah. But one of the limitations of spray paint is the fine detail. Like mm. you can't do tiny little details with spray paint. And so yeah. like on a canvas, you know, unless it's a pretty big canvas, you kind of can't use spray paint. Yeah. But I've learned that I love using spray paint so much that I don't want to get out the brushes and like do all these little details because it takes forever. Yeah. You know? yeah. So I've limited myself doing large scale and like pretty medium size and up yeah. canvases. But I do a lot of illustration and digital stuff too. Like half mm -hmm. of my work, a lot of which maybe I don't show is like digital kind of stuff and yeah. illustration. You know, people always need little drawings of things and yeah. that's part of my business that uh, cool. I don't like to show off as much because it's not <laughs> like grandiose. <laughs> yeah. I feel, I feel yeah. What is your, what is your, what does your creative process look like for say like more probably the mural stuff? Like, how do you, from conception, you know, how do you ideate it? How do you figure out what the message is going to be? And then how do you bring that to life? So the message is kind of the ideation. I mean, for a mural, most of my work is very message driven. And that's because I have things I want to say. And I want to say them like loud and proud. You know, I want yeah. them to be kind of like electric and confident in their presentation. Yeah. So I, I basically just choose things that kind of speak to me. And where those messages come from could be like, motivational speaking it could be like quotes that people post on like instagram it could be like 
like I ride a Peloton bike, which is, you know, like that's my workout, you know, and even like the the teachers on the Peloton app are like throwing out motivational, like get it, you know, like in in like the workout kind of program. Yeah. And I respond to those things. Like sometimes they're, they're like little phrases that people use for like exercise or like fitness that I think apply to life Mm -hmm. and I want to put them into color and like get them out there, you know? So that's kind of where it comes from. And then, I mean, the, the design has a formula a little bit and it's, the formula is based on color. First of all, I like to use all the colors yeah. for the most part, except red. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. Like if you, you know, if you look at my work, there's not a lot of red. So I like to use all of the color except red. And the reason I like all of the colors is because I feel like the message is supposed to be this like inclusive thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's like this welcoming sort of thing that applies to everyone. Yeah. And I think all the color makes that statement. Yeah. So I, I try to use all the color and using all the color in the beginning was kind of a challenge but as i used more and more of it it kind of like worked it worked its way into this place where i can use all colors together and make it work Mm. and and you know visually that's a challenge yeah and i like that challenge absolutely so what what do you have against red (laughs) (laughs) i knew you were gonna say that you know what i think that i mean it has nothing to do with like the meaning of red, like passion or lust or like anger, yeah. you know, it's not about that. I think visually it just feels kind of like traditional to me. Oh, okay. And I think because I work digitally so much, I'm used to seeing colors in a, like with blue light, basically like on a screen and they're like electric looking. Yeah. And then fluorescent colors are very like electric looking. Yeah. But red looks so like sensible to me. You know? <laughs> and so... I think using the other colors with black, that's why I like to use so much black because it yeah. sort of frames the color in this like really spicy kind of way. Yeah. And red just feels so boring. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So no. much about red. We'll just talk about red for 45 minutes. Yeah, we'll just talk about red. That's, that's it. <laughs> I had a mural. This lady commissioned me to do a mural in her home and it was in her like home gym and her favorite color is red. <laughs> And it said beast mode. That was, that's the mural. And and so I had to like figure out how to use red in a way that I was happy with for this thing that says beast mode, <laughs> and, which is kind of dope. Like she's doing her workout. She's got a treadmill or whatever. And she's got a mural that says beast mode. It's oh, like, yeah. That's dope, right? I love that. But like, I, I don't know, man. I just didn't, I was not happy. <laughs> you completed it. Though. I you did it. Yeah. it. Was she happy? She was thrilled. Man. Perfect. It's her favorite color. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it's a commercial job. You, you got to do what the client wants within yeah. reason, you know? Yeah. I, I don't think it's unreasonable to say we want red or red is our brand color. Yeah. You know, I just did a thing with Stoli and like, it's all red. You know? <laughs> but I didn't love it. I mean, I love the process. I love the client. I love the gig. I just don't love the color. Yeah. Know? Didn't love the outcome. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, you know, we were talking about, you know, just like, vulnerability and all these like funny buzzwords that are mm-hmm. happening, but it's, it's a weird balance between like, yeah, like authenticity and positivity and all these things you hear so much yet. There's still a piece of it that rings true, right? Because yeah. our culture is like striving. You know, we want something that's to aspire to. We want something to help bring us up. I mean, obviously in today's political climate and like today's day and age, like we need stuff like that. And so what does that look like for you? Because your work is all about that. It's creating positivity. And I love it. Well, I think, you know, those buzzwords like vulnerability and authenticity are things that clearly, like you say, our world needs. 
and brands want them, you know, like people are seeking vulnerability and people are seeking authenticity without even understanding what they're seeking. Mm -hmm. And what I think they're missing is just real life human interaction, conversation, like people just being who they are and like being happy with that and communicating in a way that reveals that. And so I think, you know, the fact that they're buzzwords just show that like culture needs it. For me, what it means is like vulnerability can be a topic you know, that people talk about all the time. Yeah. And that's something that I've kind of noticed. Like people say like, I'm, for example, like a lettering artist could like write the word vulnerable in beautiful lettering, like beautiful script. And it says vulnerable. That to me isn't vulnerable, Mm. but that means vulnerable is the topic. To me, vulnerable is saying I feel X, you know? So it's like, not that you have to like admit your greatest weaknesses or whatever, or your fears or something, but you could say, I feel nervous, you know, like to yeah. tell other people, I feel nervous right now. That's a vulnerable thing because you've just revealed something about yourself that maybe you would want to hide. Yeah. And so vulnerability to me is like in my art is actually saying things that I feel publicly, like in my messages, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think to say, I miss you or I love you. That's a very vulnerable thing to say, but I want to like say it to the world, not because mm-hmm. I love the world, because I want to say it to specific people, but I want the world to know that I'm willing to say that publicly, yeah. you know? And so that's kind of how it works for my artwork. And I think, you know, it's like, it makes me a little bit nervous. Like you've been talking about it. Cause I'm like, you, you feel nervous when you are being vulnerable. And I think that that's like a sign of you doing something right. Like if you feel a little bit nervous, then it's because you know, like the universe is telling you, like you you break it out, you break it out of your comfort zone, and yeah. that's great. You know, yeah. that's how you grow and follow that. Right? Yeah. What kinds of things do you fear? I mean, that's a really good question. I I think that I fear judgment. Mm-hmm. You know, I fear this is not like I stay up at, like at night worrying about like people are going to judge me. But like, if you yeah. break down what are what are the actual fears you know that an artist might have, and this yeah. probably applies to a lot of people, right? Yeah. You fear that people are going to look at what you do and say that it's not good. Yeah. You know, you fear that people are going to look at you and be like, you're a fake, you know, right. or like, you're, yeah, you're a fraud. Or like, these are kind of fears that are very real to people like yeah. imposter syndrome or whatever is like another buzzword, you know, <laughs> but it comes down to the fact that if you're making things, mm-hmm. that's a piece of you, right? Like I draw a picture that's something that I've just pulled out of myself and put down on a piece of paper or yeah. on a screen or whatever. And then I give it to the world and I'm like, this is a little part of me. Yeah. Do you like it or do you not? And then everyone's like, oh, we like it. We don't like it. And then that there's a little bit of fear that like, what if people don't like what I did? You know, yeah. but it's me because I put it on there. Yeah. That means they don't like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then and the world can be harsh too. Like people are really hard. No, I totally resonate with that. I mean, fear of judgment has been like my whole life. Something I just like, not that I discovered it, but especially doing ayahuasca last weekend in Costa Rica, that was actually a big part of my journey. And it was really interesting, you know, because we do, especially growing up in religion, you get judged, you know, it's like the whole like non-judgment judgment thing. Yes. Um, That's a good point because I think, sorry to interrupt. No, no. I think to say that like, I fear judgment, whether or not other people do, I'm sure they do, but I fear judgment probably in part because I grew up in a culture that is filled with judgment, mm-hmm. you know? And so that was sort of ingrained in me, this like dodge judgment yeah, program, you know, absolutely. that I developed. <laughs> well, that just, you know, got you dive deeper into that, right? It's like, we just end up judging ourselves yeah. at the end of the day. And it's like, it almost takes away from that self-love 
in and of itself. Yeah. And, and if you break out of your comfort zone, like if you allow yourself to be vulnerable, break out of your comfort zone, face that judgment, that's really, it's within, right? But once yeah. you break out, you may learn quickly, oh, people aren't judging me. I'm judging me. Yeah. And yeah. so like breaking out of it and forcing yourself to do things that you're scared of, that helps, you know? Absolutely. To be able to create something that you, you can put out there and like really not have to try not to worry about in terms of like being judged. Like if it fails, it fails, right? Yeah. Like, that's the hardest part. I mean, I judge myself for that as well. Yeah. <laughs> it is the hardest part. Like we were talking about that before. Remember, like trying to stay like on your own path, forget what other people think. That's mm-hmm. part of the like fear of judgment, but they go, they're, they're hand in hand, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I think if you can successfully just live your life, not caring about the judgment, then there's no fear. Yeah. But that's a very like <laughs> ideal kind of thing. That's a very <laughs> that's difficult a, thing. It's yeah. like a conceptual thing. You know? <laughs> Especially as the art, as yeah. in the art world, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Do you um, like, do you get negative criticism online where you put yourself out there? Um, not a lot, really. I get, I get a pretty like happy, upbeat response to my stuff for the most part. I do get haters here and there and it's generally the, the negative criticism that I've got that, that I've received has been based on graffiti and street art. Um, And it's, it has more to do with like territory and who should or shouldn't paint where, Oh, really? You know, and that's its own kind of monster. The world of graffiti and street art kind of has this like culture and this set of rules. And I came to the back door, you know, because I didn't grow up as like a graffiti artist out writing graffiti on the streets and like learning these codes and this like (laughs) system of conduct. But I've sort of stumbled onto some hard lessons in doing what I do. And that's resulted in some negativity. Yeah. But that has nothing to do with my art. That has more to do with... The practice yeah what have you learned i mean that's fascinating i didn't even know that it really existed what, did, what have you learned about the like the territories and like well, how does that world work i mean i don't want to speak to it because i'm definitely not an expert too right. much yeah. but what i have learned is that generally if you put art on the street in public mm-hmm. illegally or legally you have ownership over that spot So whether or not you own the property or you have permission by the building owner in the world of graffiti, that's your thing. That's your spot. You you now own that piece of the world. Mm -hmm. So if somebody else does something either near it, on it, around it, that could be a problem. And then if you are not from the same neighborhood or the same city, like just putting something on the same street could be unwelcomed by the people who have sort of claimed ownership over that street. And that could cause to like these little battles that happen in that world. So it's, it's complicated and you know, I'm hesitant to say too much about it because I don't think I'm an expert. What I have learned is like, you have to be very careful with where you're painting because it may, whether you agree or not, it may feel like it's owned by somebody else. And if somebody feels ownership over something they've made, have somebody else trample it. That is a, you know, that's like a universal problem, you know, like respecting other people's property. So I think it comes yeah. down to like, you know, the world of street art and graffiti is a little more complicated than just painting on walls. And yeah, so that's wild. There, there are politics. You yeah. Know? Did you see that street art exhibit going on up at uh, Beyond the Walls? Beyond the Walls. I haven't been yet. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's, I mean, the history of, of street art is fascinating. Yeah. It's its own like whole 
monster. It's, it's a whole world it in and of itself. But yeah. some really, really great street artists. Yeah. Amazing, amazing artists. And I'm inspired by so many of those artists and techniques and things, but I don't come from that world. You know, yeah. I, I come from a design world. Yeah. Who are some of your favorite artists, people that you look up to? Um, you know, one of the graffiti street artists that I really love is Tristan Eaton. And okay. I always mention him because I had the privilege of meeting him, you know, like 10 years ago. And I thought he was really humble. And that's a big part of it. Like he was so real and just like a regular guy, but he's like this huge famous artist, you know, and it was, that was really big for me, you know? Yeah. But I also, I'm so impressed by what he's able to do with his craft, like what he can actually do with a can of spray paint. He's so impressive. And if you yeah. really like look into his work, you see that like this guy is a wizard, you know, it's like wow. unreal what he can do with a spray can. And so that really like inspires me. Yeah. But I like artists who use messaging in their work. I know you mentioned you interviewed Chantel. Yeah. yeah. And I, I met her a couple of years ago too. I thought she was cool, but I, I really like her work because yeah. I like the message. You know, I like what it has to say. And yeah. I mean, visually it's awesome, you know, yeah. but to me, like it, it, I resonate harder, you know, when it's like, there's something deeper that's yeah. being said, you know? Yeah, I agree. I love, I love like typography driven art and murals and things like that. Yeah. There's some really great artists out there. I'm trying to think of who else. I, you know, James Goldcrown. Yep. Yeah. He's dope. Did you interview him? Yeah. 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 He's, he's a good buddy of mine. So I've actually never met him. We talk on Instagram a lot, but we've sort of had this like, let's do a collab someday kind of conversation that's been ongoing. You know? Yeah. I don't know how or where or when, but it's <laughs> like, and he's all over the place, you know? So oh, it's, kind of, it's like, been like, next time you're in New York, like I'm going to put something on a wall and then you're going to come put hearts on it or like, we've got to figure <laughs> it out. You know? Yeah. You also do a collab. He's, he's great. I yeah. love his stuff. He's funny. I like his sort of like his platform has like a lot of wit to it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So how are you, how are you developing your, you know, yourself personally um, these days, whether it's like personal development, spirituality, anything like that, because it sounds like that's a big part of your work. So, I mean, obviously life is an ongoing, ongoing process. Yeah, man. Well, my latest thing is, and I just started this in the past couple of weeks is weightlifting. and I've been doing this Peloton bike for like three years and it's great. And I'm not like a big fitness kind of junkie, you know, that's, that's totally not me, (laughs) but I do it because I mean, for my health, like for my physique, but also because I've found that when I'm in, in the workout, there are like little moments of clarity and peace of mind that reveal like bursts of creativity Mm. and that sounds like a cheesy thing to say but it's true it's like you have these pockets of like you go to this meditative sort of like zen place in the world where you're not on the bike you're not lifting anything you're just like in your head somewhere and you have these like ideas you know yeah so or i do i should say yeah 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 (laughs) so i've i've enjoyed that about doing you know the exercise and then recently i've decided to kind of morph the exercise into weightlifting to kind of see how that affects oh, me and my work and, and my body and, you know, my health and all that. So, yeah. And you know, I'm not trying to get ripped or something like I, it's not about <laughs> muscles. It's about like the process of doing the lifting and being, yeah. you know, in the weight room and you know how that feels. And I, I, I actually don't know where it's going to go, but yeah. I haven't really done it that much yet. I've only done it four or five times. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. But that's that right now, that's what I want to do to kind of like self-discover in a different way. You know? Yeah. But I also, I ride a motorcycle and yeah. that's one of my like peaceful places as backwards as that sounds. 
yeah. like in traffic, you know, dodging cars and everything. But being on the bike is really liberating and you don't have your phone, you don't have anything. And I've ridden my whole life. So it's not like operating the vehicle takes any effort, you know, it's right. like a very kind of effortless thing for me. And I've found that that's like a really quiet place in my head is yeah. being on my motorcycle. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I get that. I mean, being on the bike, I bike ride everywhere, bicycle bicycle no no moto just like you know the old pedals the cool like the cool <laughs> way <laughs> and yeah like i agree like for me biking in new york as chaotic as it is it's such a zen place it's such a i don't take yeah don't have, you don't have the phone you're not paying attention to the phone it's yeah. like one of those things where you can really kind of just go with it yeah and you don't have to think about it yeah you just your body knows what to do yeah so you, then your brain can like do its own thing <laughs> absolutely do you get a chance to travel much? I do travel. I'm mostly for jobs, like yeah. you know, to go paint something or to go do something. But I, I actually don't travel a lot for myself, like yeah. for vacation. And my girlfriend actually like brings it up occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I like to travel and I like to go places for work. And to me, it feels a little bit like a vacation. Yeah. Like if I'm going to California to paint a mural or something. That feels like I'm stepping away to go do something different. Yeah. You know? And that's the point of vacation, right? Yeah. So. For me, it kind of works, but I, I don't go sit on the beach. <laughs> yeah, I find it hard to sit on the beach and just like do nothing. I've got maybe a day of that, and then I'm like, uh, I have that's, to explore. That's some the culture. New Yorker in you, man. <laughs> beach is for California people, right? It's true. It's true. I mean, you chill for a little bit, yeah, but one, one day, and then you're like, God, there's fucking sand everywhere. <laughs> like, how did this happen? Exactly. How often? How many mural? Like, how often are you actually doing murals these days? Well, I mean, it's summertime, so more than in winter, obviously, but it's, it's not a huge number. It's maybe like a couple times a month, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's uh, pretty good. Yeah. I, it's all relative. Yeah. So, you know, if, if I do three or four a month, that's, that's one a week, basically, yeah. then that's great. And I think that's, a, that's about what it is for the most part, but they come in spurts. It's like, I have three in a row that are all in the same week and then I don't yeah. do anything for a month. You know? Oh, so it only takes you a day to do one the process you've got the process down yeah the actual paint job ideally takes a day or less and wow yeah and the reason that i've i've been working to like speed up my process all this time i mean i've i focus on um when i'm painting i focus on like how long does it take me to like make decisions you know it's the actual painting is fast what takes time is creative decisions mm. so when you're standing there looking at a thing that you're that you're making that you're painting you spend a lot of time standing there looking at it deciding what to do next and i've i've been trying to like cut down that time uh, and the best way to do that is to have a plan you know it doesn't mean you have to have a buttoned up sketch yeah like your sketch doesn't have to be perfect it means you have to have a plan of like your for a mural it's like the measurements like measure yeah. things out before so when you get there you know exactly like where to put your little hash marks for your measurement or like if you're going to project you know that projector saves tons of time you know? yeah but with the projector you've got to do it at night so you've got to plan that out you know right the right. point is like if you have a plan of exactly what you're going to do from point a to point z yeah. you know all those steps will go quicker and i find that i i don't spend a lot of time like standing there looking at the wall like <laughs> what do i do next yeah and that's how i you know i've, I've been working on it it's not easy yeah know? no it takes it's a lot to think about yeah. how does the process look like when you're like working with a client like how do you decide nail down what you're gonna what you're actually gonna use for the, the quote and like the because obviously you know when you're working with clients so much of it is really like the approval process the creative decision making 
Yeah, totally. I mean, I do, I'll do a sketch. Well, I'll, it'll start with whatever we want to say. If it's typographic, generally it is for my work. And usually the client has an idea of what they think it should be. And if it's based on their slogan or like their tagline, then that's the start, right? Yeah. I try to chop it down as much as possible. Like you don't need a lot of words. Yeah. And, and I found with like advertising and design and like copywriters, you know, it's a lot of wordy kind of things. <laughs> yeah. And really to communicate, you need three words, you know, four, two, like it's not a lot. So I try to, whatever they give me, if it's like a quote or a tagline, I try to just chop it down to like, what are the two keywords or the three keywords? Yeah. And that's what we paint, you know? That's and it, cool. that's a process. Yeah. You know, it's hard to like, a client gives you their tagline and it's like 10 words or five or six and you're like, nope, half of it. We're cutting it in half. And like, well, we spend millions of dollars on developing this thing. You know? You're like, sorry. So that's a process. But then once that, once the message is sort of like buttoned up and mm. decided, then I'll do a sketch and I'll do a rendering yeah. so they can see exactly like what it's going to look like on their wall. Yeah. And that's the quickest way to sell these things. You know, like yeah. people want to see literally what you're going to do. And so you just take a photo or ask for a photo of the wall or the space or the building and then get on Photoshop render it on and then oh wow so you could you design it in photoshop render it on the building and then show them and yeah. then they're like oh, okay. yeah because then there's like a wow factor you know if yeah. you just have like a flat sketch then they don't really know this this is sort of like the challenge with any creative versus client yeah kind of situation absolutely. right is like you're able to envision what the thing is going to look like when it's done because you have imagination and this is really broad in general but generally speaking, the client doesn't have your level of imagination. Right. So you've got to dumb it down for them by like rendering it onto the, onto the building so that they could see like, this is what a photo of the finished product would look like with the painting on it. And it, yeah. it you know, that's, that's how the process works. That's how you get things approved, you know? And then you yeah. can go paint. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. It's, it's like hard to envision how to help the client envision these things. Yeah. You're laughing because you've been there. I mean, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> I mean, especially in the photography world, there's so much of that exact thing that happens. And that's even harder to really, you know, show, especially like if the client wants you to shoot a turkey dinner and you've never shot one before, but right. I can do it. But yeah. how do you show the client that you can do it? <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> and, not, and not like knock somebody off. Right. Because like they, this, this is the problem with like having so much media at our fingertips is like a client could find something on Instagram and be like, I want this. And you're like, well, I don't, I can do that yeah. easily, but I, but I, that's not mine. Like, you know, yeah. so there, that brings up a whole other conversation, which we could have for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Plagiarism. I'm, you, I'm sure you probably find people knocking your shit off, right? I mean, yeah, not a lot, to be honest. I think oh. people do a lot of things that are inspired by my work which is great like personal stuff i don't see a lot of brands like doing stuff that looks like mine as yeah. though it's a knockoff yeah and i think if if people do personal things that are inspired by my work i don't think that's knocking me off yeah. i think that they they're learning and they you know that's what i did i i drew like bart simpson and garfield you know to learn yeah. how to draw when i was eight or yeah however old. <laughs> so what's wrong with that it's like a process you know? yeah if you're out like selling a product using work that looks just like mine that's knocking me off yeah you know? That's so funny. I used to draw Mickey Mouse back in the day. There you go. <laughs> That's how you learn, man. You got to, you know, you, no. you look at things that you like and you recreate them and it's practice. Yeah. And eventually you kind of spin it into your own ideas. Yeah. I mean, there are artists who make an entire career of chopping up 
like other people's work and recreating them, you know, like Mickey Mouse has been redone, you know, millions of times by yeah. millions of artists in ways that are successful and interesting and exciting and lucrative, yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely. Now you've talked about before, you've talked about creating your own style, you know, what does that look like? For, you know, you start working, you start making, and then you start to like find things that you like. What's been your process? Cause you have a very strong aesthetic and a strong style that I think people, it's almost like people, you know, people come to you for that. Yeah. Uh, what, what's the process in building that for you? Well, it's, it's a process that you kind of can't plan. Yeah. You know, it's like you stumble upon that as you, as you go. And the best way to, to find that is just to do work. Like the more you create, the more you start to realize that you are overlapping, you know, you're, you're recreating and you're doing the same thing. So you can't like decide like pink's going to be my thing and I'll do all my work pink and that's my, people right. will know me as Mr. Pink, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. You can't, there's, there's not a formula to it. Yeah. Except for just to do a lot of work. Like just keep creating something. Like people always say, create something new every day. And for me, that's what it is. Like I make something every single day. And now a lot of the things that I make have been requested. So it's not that I'm exploring every day. It's like I'm, just generating my stuff yeah, every day yeah. but in the beginning of kind of honing this process at the time I didn't know it was the beginning of the process looking back you know I can pinpoint the beginning but in that process I was making something new every single day and Instagram was a big part of that because Instagram gave me a platform to put my work every day so I had this sort of like mission for a while of I'm gonna make something every single day and put it on Instagram every single day and see what happens mm -hmm. and then over you know, over the course of like a year or two of doing that, I realized like I have decided that I, or I, I realized that I'm doing these same kind of things or I'm like creating these same gestures with my hand or I'm using the same color that I love. And it, it just like fell out, you know? Yeah. That's great. So then you started <laughs> harnessing that into more of an, of an aesthetic or to just naturally, naturally start showing up as you curated your portfolio. I mean, it's both like it naturally, you know, kind of occurred. And then I started to look at like from a branding perspective, which that's my background, you know, yeah. I look at like, okay, what is my, what is this brand? Like, what yeah. does my brand look like? Like, what am I actually making and what has value? What, what has strength and what should I get rid of? And so the process is always evolving, but yeah. it's me looking at like what I'm making on a daily basis and then stepping back and being like, okay, I, I made this and I don't love it. Like I've got to eliminate that practice or like that stroke that I keep making or whatever yeah. it is, I've got to like weed that out. Cause I'm liking, you know, this other part of my work and I'm going to hone in on that and I'm going to replicate it yeah. over and over again. So it gets better. You know? Yeah. How does one <clears throat> craft a brand out of their art? <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> I mean, to craft a brand, as to dumb this down as best I can, I think a brand consists of the elements that make up you, you know, if it, we're talking about a personal brand, right? Yeah. So what are the pieces of you that you want to put into your art, your message, you know? And so let me think about this. <laughs> I think the best way to say it is, is basically you've got to, you got to kind of dumb down what you're doing into a couple of like pillars, mm. you know, and it's a couple of groups. Like, is it about a message for me? It's about a message. Okay. What is the style of message? What's the attitude of the message? 
And then once you kind of figure that out, like I have this general sort of idea of what my message is. My message is about kindness and positivity. Okay, so now I've got kindness and positivity messages. What do they look like? Well, I like colors, so I'm gonna like pick a color palette, you know? And these are now these codes, like these are these sort of like pillars of your brand, you know? Mm -hmm. So now you've got like colorful, positive, kind messages. That's my brand, right? Yeah. But then to actually craft that into a brand, you have to live it. And this is the hard part, right? Mm -hmm. You've got to understand like, how can I, on a daily basis, what are decisions that I'm making? What behavior should I be, you know, like trying to focus on displaying? Like, how can I act in a way every day that aligns with my colorful, kind, positive messages? Yeah. You know? And then you're, when you go to make art, that will come out, you know? And it, it goes back to like, who really are you? So if you're an artist and you want to create a brand out of your work, like, are you making work that you think looks cool? Like, do you only work in black and white because you think it looks cool, but really deep inside, like you're kind of a colorful dude, you know, yeah. that stuff you've got to figure out in your self-discovery. And then once you're, once you've kind of come to terms with who really you are inside, yeah. put those onto the paper and then organize them into like, what is this brand made of? Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was like, I'm made of positivity, optimism, kindness, color. Yeah. yeah. Love it. <laughs> Does that help? That's not a good description or explanation at all. No, it's great. I, you know, I think I think that's a struggle, especially people trying to develop their own brand. You know, people don't even think about it. And like most artists don't even think about their art as brand. And I think to stand out in today's day and age, you have to. Yeah. You really have I to. Agree. I mean, because everyone is doing everything. Everyone's a photographer. Everyone's designer, artist, painter. Musician. And we have the tools to do all of it. Exactly. Like, like, the fucking phone. Man. Yeah. It's the beauty of it. But the other side of it is being able to like rise above and like really create a distinction yeah. of who you are. Um, I mean, the universal advice for that is to like find a niche, you know, like niche down or like limit, limit your, what you do, you know, yeah. like you, you may be able to take great photos and draw portraits, and you're also a graphic designer, but you can't do all those because you people won't, won't recognize you for any of them. You yeah. got to kind of pick one and just like, yeah. And that's what that's the advice that everybody gives. You know, that's like business one on one. Like niche down, pick a thing, and just do that. Doesn't matter if you can do a million other things, just pick one. Yeah. What if you like doing these other things? That's the problem. <laughs> but I think I think you can pick one or two things and infuse what you love doing into them. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the result can appear as one thing or two things or a niche. Yeah. But what you are actually doing in your process and your life and your daily life is broad. You yeah. Know? It's just the final product is looks limited. And yeah. that's how people notice you. you know? Yeah. Yeah. It takes some work. I probably got my own work to do on that. I, I mean, it's an ongoing. <laughs> it's an ongoing so, so being such a positive, optimistic and kind guy... How do you deal with dark times and uh, and the downs of life? Because obviously we all have ups, we all have downs, and that's a part of life. How do you yeah. deal with that kind of stuff? I mean, to be totally honest with you, I don't have a lot of like dark times. You know, yeah. I have, and so I think I think I can confidently say that I I don't have a lot of like down or dark times because I've kind of worked through so many of the like negative and sad and dark times, mm -hmm. and I did that with sketchbook like I poured mm. a lot of shit into sketchbooks which I still have which are amazing and look nothing like anything that I do now yeah but I think it was like you know this these years of expressing and like pouring all this shit 
and it comes from like religion and you know family and past like all these things that are that were dark yeah that i like were i, I got out you know and i think i got them out onto the paper and that's how i released them yeah and so now you know if i have a bad day i mean i think if i have a bad day i try to focus on the things that i'm thankful for like gratitude is the best way to overcome that mm-hmm. you know like if you if you feel sad or if you feel bad or if you or if something didn't work out and you go dark that doesn't erase all the other good things in your life and there are plenty of good things there are always good things and so being able to like you know remind yourself of them or like find them or as stupid as it sounds like write them down make a list of like these are things that are <laughs> this is the one fucking thing that was okay today like yeah. that that's the kind of shit that can help you you know absolutely and so i i think i have a regular practice of reminding myself of what's great what's good you know yeah. find the silver lining i love that yeah find the silver lining for sure so what's the big picture where what's the dream what's what's next where are you going where are you headed well i have a couple of exciting things one is i've been kind of teasing it on my social media but it's i'm trying to do some three-dimensional stuff and cool. i have this heart that i put on everything and it's kind of like a motif like i don't like to call it a logo it's not a logo it's a very complicated design but it's a motif that i like to use and the heart goes like as a signature on my murals or it could be like a thing that stands by itself but i want it to be like a three-dimensional sculptural thing that actually does stand by itself yeah and i call it open heart and the idea obviously is like have an open heart you know spread your arms spread the love you know and so that's sort of like what drives this design but i've been working on developing it in 3d oh, so amazing. i'm gonna have like kind of like life-size, like six foot tall sculptures of the heart, but the heart has hands and legs. Love it. And then I have little figurines that are four inches tall that are like vinyl, you know, collectible kind of things. And those are in development. And so this is all kind of stuff that's going to happen over the next year. But I've I've, I've teased it a little bit with a couple of like prototypes. Yeah. And I'm super stoked about it. Love it. Just because I don't really do a lot in 3D. Yeah. And so to actually see something coming to life and the first prototype was five feet tall. And to see that like was the coolest fucking thing that I've ever, so so good. So I have that kind of in the works. And then I have another project with a book publisher details. I'm not going to reveal yet, but that's way down the pipeline. Amazing. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, one last question I love to ask all my guests is what does the phrase live inspiration mean to you? Live inspiration. I think it means do what you say you're going to do. Because to be inspiring, to be inspiration, to, you know, to be inspired and to surround yourself with inspiration, I think you have to be true to yourself. I think it all comes down to like being yourself, being who you are. And the easiest way to like put that into like one simple step is just to say, do what you say you'll do Yeah. to yourself. You don't have to tell other people do, you know, whatever you tell yourself you're going to do, do that. Absolutely. And that will result in you being both inspiring to other people and inspired. Love that. No one's ever said that before. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, where can people find you, follow you on the interwebs? Um, I guess I would point people to the Instagram at Jason Naylor. And I have a website, which you can find by Googling, but that's kind of for clients. Yeah, you know, the Instagram is like the business card these days of yeah. life. <laughs> and if you want to come to my studio, the doors are open. 
Sweet. We're down here in Brooklyn. Yeah. BK. Yes. By the Navy Yard. Right by the Navy Yard. If you do want to, if you actually want to come to my studio, you can email or DM and I will happily welcome you. Sweet. Love it. We're going to do a little, uh, we'll do a little video. You can check it out on the site and then come and come, come to the studio and visit. But, uh, well, Jason and I, thank you so much for coming on. Acknowledge you for the amazing art that you're putting out in the world and keep it up. Thanks so much for having me, man. It was a great pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode of Neon Radio. I'm your host, Nick Onkin, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Jason. Go over to his website, jasonnaylorcreative.com. You can also follow him on Instagram at Jason Naylor, N-A-Y-L-O-R. And uh, if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love it if you could help me out by hopping over to the Apple Podcast app and leaving me, us, and us a good review over here. Uh, just helps us get the word out to other creatives and other people and, and make the world a better place. So if you want to check out the show notes, you can hop over to neonlife.com slash EP173. Uh, we'll have some photos over there as well. And uh, you know what time it is. It's time to go out and create your life by creating every small moment. And we'll see you next time. Yeah.